Richie, we got your back, baby. Let's go, baby. We got your back. Incognito left side of the Bills offensive line. Bills are just running the ball almost at will today. I think Richie gets more pancakes than anybody I've seen. Is it possible that Richie Incognito got a bad rap? His name has always been as a, a good football player. Incognito had pulled from his guard position. I mean, he had an incident in Miami, but he came back this year, and I, I feel like he played tremendous. Welcome to the next episode of What's Next with Eric Wood. Our next guest is Richie Incognito making his second appearance on the show. And this time, we will talk about his transition back into football. We'll talk about what's different at age 36 compared to age 26 for him now playing in his late 30s. We'll talk about his teammates in Oakland, especially his now former teammate Antonio Brown and what he thinks with his state of mind and Richie having gone through similar issues with getting picked on by the media and and having mental health issues, which is perceived with Antonio Brown. And we'll also talk about his love for the Raiders organization, giving him a chance back into football, especially Mike Mayock and John Gruden. We'll talk about catching up recently in Miami for the Super Bowl, which was a great time. It was great to see him. And we will also discuss who can eat more wings in our current state at our current weights Enjoy the show. Through my time in the NFL, I worked with a bunch of different custom clothing companies. When I got out of the NFL and I lost all the weight and I was hopping into broadcasting, I needed to find someone that could get my wardrobe right, help me create a game plan for this fall and get me right. And this fall, I received a ton of compliments on my wardrobe, and that's thanks to Jordan Yoakum with Tom James Company. That's Yoakum, Y-O-C-U-M. And you can contact Jordan at j.yoakum at tomjames.com or simply visit his website and get an appointment. That's jordanyoakum.com. He does an excellent job. He's super friendly. He's trustworthy, and he will get you right for your wedding, for the Kentucky Derby, or whatever event you have. And just like I attack defenses on the field, he'll help you attack your next business meeting. If you're looking for stuff for this year's Derby, order by March 10th. And Jordan works within a 100-mile radius of Louisville, so he can come um, as far as you need him to go. And once again, you can contact him at J at tomjames.com. For the first time ever, I'm saying welcome back to What's Next with Eric Wood to our first time recurring guest, and that's Richie Incognito. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, brother. It's uh, it's good to be back. I'm glad that I can be a recurring guest and uh, excited to chat with you today. Yeah, for, and for most people, we're talking either transition out of football, but this time we're talking transition back into football. And at 36 years old on the field last year, Troy Aikman talked about you playing as good as any guard in the league and probably the best guard in the league. But what's different now at 36 compared to earlier in your career at 26? Oh, so much. You know, there's so much. Uh, you know, obviously your priorities change as, as life goes on. And at 26, I was just fighting to make a name for myself. I wanted all the attention. I wanted to walk in the room and I wanted everybody to know me. I, uh, I was really fighting for all the wrong things, you know, now that I look back on it. And at 36, I just have uh, a greater perspective. Um, I understand what's important to me. I understand my values. I understand what motivates me. Um, I also understand what takes energy away from me. 
And uh, I was able to come back and, and do all that because, you know, in all honesty, I, I got my stuff together. I got my stuff together. Um, I'm following the plan. And uh, it, it, it's been, you know, uh, two years of just clean living and, and just being uh, being on top of my game. Yeah, and you do have your stuff together, which I witnessed down in Miami last weekend. We were down at the Super Bowl together, and we'll get to that later in the show. But what was it like recovering from games this year at a at a later age, a later stage in your career? You know, it was it was just like uh, it was just like normal. You know, I I usually bounce back from games pretty quick, just because I, I do so much pregame and postgame to take care of my body and, you know, hydration's important to me, sleep and all that kind of factors in. What really kind of got me this year was all the travel. Being on a West Coast team, uh, I think six out of our eight away games we left on Friday. And then you get back to the West Coast like super late on Sunday. So I was just going over all my whoop recovery data. You know, Monday was the worst day for me. And uh, the, the Raiders do a really good job kind of managing that. You know, they don't have us come in and squat heavy and do all the stuff that we used to do back in Buffalo. You know, it's more just kind of getting the body opened up, flowing through Tuesday. Uh, John does a great job with us on Wednesday. We go out there and do a two-hour walkthrough, so we're not in, we're not in uh, helmets or anything. We just kind of go walk through. And uh, it was good. You know, it, it's, a, it's a learning curve. Uh, being on a West Coast team is a completely different challenge. But I think my body responded well. Um, I played at a high level every single week. There wasn't one week where I, I felt like I, I dropped below my expectation. And uh, it all added up to a tremendous year. And uh, they uh, rewarded me with the new two-year contract. They did. And that's crazy. I didn't even think about how many times you were traveling east and Obviously, I never played on a West Coast team. This year, the Bills have the rotation. Where I believe it's every seven years the AFC East teams will play the NFC West and the AFC West in the same year, which will be a challenge for them. But as a broadcaster and me doing ACC football on Saturdays, that's going to be a huge challenge for me. And so uh, I will not be wearing a whoop band. I will not have a recovery score, but I'm sure I'll be feeling it on Mondays. And, and getting into some, some specific Raiders talk, you know, starting with training camp, you walk in and you're back in the league and now you have hard knocks around. What was it like having hard knocks around last <laughs> I year? I know. Uh, you know, I did it once before with the Dolphins and I did it with the Raiders. And I would have to say it was a lot easier with the Raiders. Um, with the Dolphins, we did it at our facility. So there were cameras everywhere. There was nowhere to hide. With the Raiders, we were up in Napa at this big resort, Marriott, which is just uh, an awesome place to do camp. Um but it was good. You know, I think uh, everybody had kind of, you know, everyone really just had a great approach from Mike Mayock, the general manager, to John Gruden, the head football coach, to Tom Cable, the offensive line coach. They really protected me and allowed me to just come in and be myself. And similar to the Buffalo situation, you know, after all the bullying scandal and all that stuff, I was able to come in and hang behind guys like you and Kyle Williams and really just do me. And that was a, you know, I was able to flourish. So, uh, walking into hard knocks was, <laughs> it was incredibly difficult, but, uh, now looking back on it, it was, uh, it was great because I, I got to show a little bit of myself. I got to show, you know, kind of what I'm really about. And, um, you know, it was, it was a fun experience. 
Yeah, I had so many people reach out to me during Hard Knocks afterwards, like, oh, Richie seems like a great guy. I'm like, I've been telling you that for years. Like, uh, the media can paint one picture, <laughs> and, and, and they piled on you, and you made it easy for them at times. But, you know, they piled on you, and then you get this reputation. And I always say it takes four seconds to make it an impression and four years to change it. And a lot of these people, you know, these people are from – Cincinnati, Louisville, these people aren't coming in contact with you on a day-to-day basis, so they had no idea what you were about. So I commend you. You did put your best foot forward on hard knocks. Someone who did not put their best foot uh, forward on hard knocks and uh, kept parlaying that throughout the year was Antonio Brown. And, you know, from me looking at the outside in, it's like looking at a car crash. You can't really look away, but you feel bad. And for someone who has self-admittedly had mental health stuff go on with yourself – what is Antonio Brown going through right now, and why can't he get out of his own way? Well, you know, that's a, that's a big ball of wax. You know, whenever, whenever there is a, a superstar athlete and then uh, the mental health aspect of it, it's, it's, it's a very vast and it's a very intricate problem. Um, I, I'm still a big supporter of Antonio Brown. I got to know him. Uh, back when he was with Pittsburgh and they had the triple B's, they had Ben, him and Le'Veon. Uh, we played in a couple pro bowls together. I think you were there too, the one year that they were all there. Um, and I got to know him and I, I got to know the real Antonio and the real Antonio is a humble, hardworking, um, energetic guy. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just think, you know, he's gotten away from that and, um, it's obviously affected him, but, uh, you know, our time together in Oakland was great. When I came in, they put my locker right next to him because I knew I had a relationship with him. I had Derek Carr right around the corner. I had a relationship with him. So it was definitely strategic. And, um, you know, I was I was there through it all, you know, the helmet thing, the foot thing, um, you know, kind of it all. And um, all I can say is that the uh, the Raiders showed a tremendous amount of support with him. That's that's what Coach Gruden is, is excellent at, you know, supporting his guys. And uh, it was very unfortunate how it ended in Oakland because we, we really could have used him. You know, we were counting on him. Right. Uh, but now just looking at it, it just seems like his passions are taking him elsewhere, you know, music and, and all this other stuff. And uh, I hope he just has some good people in his life that can kind of, you know, grab him by the ears and look in his eyes and be like, Antonio, you are a stud football player. Let's get it together. <laughs> Take a page out of Incognito's book. Take whatever someone will give you for next year, do your thing, ball out, and you'll be back on top. You'll be back on the cover of Madden. Dude, and, and that's a great point, and that's the impact you can have. And we talked about it on the last podcast. Like, the impact you can have is to show how you can come back from tough times in your life, from mental health issues, whatever it may be. You know, no one's perfect in life. And, and what you did this year on the field, um, you know – playing at the level you did, uh, squeaky clean image and all that. And that, that's an example that you can, that you can show him. And, and you did take a year off because of all the stuff that went down. What was the hardest part about getting back on the field after taking a year off? Well, there's, there's a couple, I mean, there's a couple hard things. I want to just touch on one thing, you know, throughout my career, it's been easy to write me off because there's, you know, the bullying and, and this, and it's always like, Hey, incognito is a great player. But this, you know, every article is that. And that, that really kind of just puts a chip on my shoulder and, and helps me work harder. You know, I, I don't need much motivation, but stuff like that really lights a fire. But the hardest thing about being back on the field, you know, was just the, the mental side of it and me questioning myself. You know, I took a year off. I lost some muscle mass. 
Um, you know, I was going through the summer training and I was really ramping up the training hard and I had serious doubts. I was like, you know, am I going to be the same player uh, I was when I left the game because I hold myself to a high standard. And what I was able to do was really just bounce back, get my footwork back, get my strength back. Everything came back really quick. You know, I think that those nerves and that, uh, that kind of anxiety really just helped propel me and really just set me on a trajectory, you know, to, to kind of rewrite the ending. So that's my focus, you know, just to stay hungry, stay humble and uh, continue riding out this blessing. What steps did you take to block out all the outside noise? Because there's no way you could have performed on the field this year if you were constantly worried about what other people were saying. And, you know, I mean, there's haters on social media all over. What would you do to block all that out and just kind of stay in your lane to have the year that you had? You know, um, it was difficult because we knew it was going to be a media uh, firestorm. you know, I'm up there taking my physical with the Oakland Raiders doctor in his office in Oakland, and he has like screens everywhere and my face is everywhere. It's like part of the interruption, you know, first take this, you know. Um, but what I really had to do was I, I couldn't pay attention to any of it. I couldn't be searching my name on Twitter all the time and seeing what all the gremlins were talking about. You know, anytime an article came out and someone sent it to me, I made sure just to delete it off my phone. You know, I didn't want to read any of that. And that just helped me kind of stay in my lane, stay focused and not let any negative energy in to take away from all the positive energy I was building. And and that's a valuable lesson for any NFL football player, whether your reputation is on one end of the spectrum or the other, you have to block out the noise because ultimately it only matters what your GM, your head coach, and your owner think about you. And if it's all positive inside the building, then that's great for you and your career. It does not matter what people in the media are saying. It does not matter what the fans think. Now, you want perception to be high. That allows you to make um, uh, an impact on your community, whatever it may be. That's all great. But the organization obviously loved you. They brought you in. They talked you up through hard knocks in the media and all that. Talk about your relationship with John Gruden and how appreciative you are of him and Mike Mayock and the group that brought you in. Man, I I honestly, um, I will try to put into words how much those guys mean to me, but um, I I owe them an immeasurable amount of gratitude. I'll start with Mike. Uh, I sat in his office and we had a heart-to-heart, man-to-man conversation. And he had done all his homework. He had he had checked with old offensive line coaches. He checked with Howie Long, you know, guys that really knew me. And he got back all positive reports. So he wanted to sit across from me and look me in the eye and make sure I was willing to uphold my end of the bargain. And I have a tremendous amount of respect, respect for Mike, not only as a general manager, but as a man. And the one thing that I took away from it was he really cared about me as a person. And you know, when, when he laid his neck out on the line for me, you know, that just that just showed me, um, you know, how much they care about me. And, uh, you know, it obviously makes me want to work harder and all that. But, you know, I love Mike. I got a great relationship with him, even through the contract. Uh, he just showed a tremendous amount of respect. And uh, it was it was awesome. And then John is John is my guy. You know, he'd be your guy, too. He's just a he's a likable guy. He's uh, he's always positive. He's always building players up. He's always talking trash. And uh, the guy just loves ball, man. You know, the best story I have about John is, you know, it's getting late in the year. And me and Rod had to go talk to him about, you know, just changing some things up. 
and we go into his office and now this guy's, you know, he's, he's got more money than God because, you know, obviously he's been on TV and the coaching contracts and stuff. And it's a Tuesday and he's sitting in this dark office with a 70 inch screen sitting about two inches from his face. And he's got notes and coffee cups everywhere and a computer where he's just typing everything out. And we walk in and he's just happy to see somebody because he's just been grinding. Right. And we come in and we have a talk with him. And I, I was sitting there and I was like, man, and I don't know anybody that loves ball more than John. And the guys know that. And he does such a great job at building guys up. You know, when, when young guys got to step in, he'll make sure on Thursday and Friday to mention their name in the meeting. And then, uh, it's awesome, man. It's really just a blessing. It's such a great fit. A um, lot of love on both sides. And, uh, you know, just excited to get to, to Vegas with this team and start adding pieces and, and really just get this thing going. Yeah, so so you mentioned Mike Mayock and John Gruden. So I ran into John – or I ran into Mike Mayock at Louisville's Pro Day a few months after I got the injury announcement. And Mike Mayock was so great to me. He exchanged numbers with me. If you ever need anything in this business, if you want, and at that time I didn't know that I necessarily wanted to get into broadcasting or sports media. And, and he gave me his number. Hey, you'd be great in this business. He also, when I was at the Senior Bowl, had me number one center in the draft. And it was like that year it was me, Alex Mack, and uh, Max Unger. And a lot of different media people had different guys number one. He had me number one, so I've always liked him because of that. A couple of things on John Green. <laughs> I know. I know that I know that chaps your butt. I know that chaps your butt. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So I've always appreciated Mike Mayock for that. And uh, so um, John Gruden. So you mentioned how hard he works. So John Gruden basically started. Nowadays, it's it's uh, mainstream for coaches to get to the facility at 5 a.m., 6 a.m., some 4 a.m. John Gruden started all that, and then they won a Super Bowl in Tampa, and then every other owner at owners' meeting heard about that. Well, then they started telling their coaches, hey, you know, John Gruden and his staff just won a Super Bowl down in Tampa, uh, and they were doing it like this. Well, then everybody had to start doing that, and now it's the norm in coaching to uh, put in those hours. But John Gruden started that, and he was even doing it when he was broadcasting, and now broadcast circles talk about it. So when I um, – a guy that was on the production team – for my ACC crew this year was with him with Monday Night Football. And he's like, man, I'm telling you, you no one outworks John. He would have more clips for us. And, and he took that uh, approach to that. And my last thing on John Gruden, we were at the Pro Bowl, and he was uh, calling the game as an announcer, not as a coach. Well, we get there, and he had talked me up that year during one of our games. So he's sitting with a group of three other guys, and I just sent over a round of beers. They were having a couple beers. And um, so I sent over a round of beers and just said, hey, thanks for uh, talking me up this year. Really appreciate it. And uh, so the rest of the week, anytime I saw him, and we had 14 people with us, if I was with six people, it didn't matter. He would send a round of drinks over every time he saw me because he was so appreciative that I got him one drink. And just his attitude and everything else – I've always really appreciated him, but you just mentioned the move to Las Vegas. What excites you about the move to Las Vegas? What scares you maybe personally and for teammates just because there's an obvious amount of distraction that comes with moving to Las Vegas? Yeah. Um, there's a lot that, that goes into it. Um, personally, I was over Vegas about 10 years ago, you know, growing up, uh, growing up on the West coast, you know, that was when I was younger and distracted. That was my, my, uh, that was my getaway up there. So 
I'm over it. I'm actually looking forward just to eating at some good restaurants, enjoying the town. You know, I'll be down in Henderson, uh, just far enough away from the strip. But it'll be nice. It, it'll be good, you know, when, when I have a bunch of people in town to kind of take them out, show them, show them the back door of Vegas and show them a bunch of good restaurants. I am worried because I am going to be getting hit up for tickets left and right. And I'm telling everybody, no, I'm using my two comps and that is it. Um, I'm, I'm really concerned for the young guys. I really am. I'm really concerned. You know, every, you, you know, every, every team, every locker room, you have a, a couple guys that, you know, you have in the back of your head, you know, when you leave in the off season, you know, like, I hope, I hope this guy makes it back. So I'm just concerned for the young guys. It's obviously going to be a very tough situation to navigate. I mean, you have everything legal there. You have all the warning signs, everything that'll get a guy in trouble, women, booze, gambling, you know, you go down the list. So, uh, you know, I, I think I add value in that because I've been around so long and they'll see how I conduct myself and hopefully I can set an example for them. Um, but it'll, it'll be a great experience. You know, we're opening up a new $2 billion stadium they spend another hundred million dollar on the practice facility. The, the whole city is buzzing. You know they're they're ready for this, and um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be challenging. Uh, we went through a similar situation in Miami. You know where we would show up for Monday meetings, and you know you'd have ten guys missing, and they they didn't know where the heck they were, so they would have to go out with the cops and find them. But uh, you know, for me personally, I, uh, I'm excited. Yeah, it, it's exciting, and and as my role with the bills I'll be out there and I'm excited and me and my wife are talking about well that's a that's a road trip that we're going to stay the night and I'm sure we'll go grab dinner after the game and all that and it is it's phenomenal restaurants but man the distractions that will come with it but the excitement and everything else uh, that comes with it as well will be a ton of fun and it's going to be interesting to me to see what the environment will be like on game day because the Raider fans are so passionate and so strong but with the move and everything else, and and it's going to be a destination for every single team's uh, opposing fan base to head to those games. They also sold so many tickets to these casinos that own these um, seat licenses that they're going to distribute to whoever they want, these high rollers. Well, those guys are going to be sitting on their hands during the games. Well, are all these away fans going to be hitting up their casino host saying, hey, when it comes to be Bills Raiders, you know, whoever, 49ers Raiders, we want our tickets uh, for that game. So it's going to be interesting what those games are like because playing at the Black Hole or playing out in Oakland and having the Black Hole rolling – that was that was a, a tough environment to play, and it'll be interesting to see uh, what comes of that. And a guy I want to talk about next, because he's a West Coast guy and he's played his ball in Oakland, I feel like nationally you don't truly appreciate him. I got to know him a little bit at the Pro Bowl. I know a number of guys that know him personally and just uh, are, are in love with him. Talk to me about Derek Carr. Oh, man. I, I honestly can't say enough good things about D. Carr. You know, he's a man firm in his faith. And I think that helps guide him through life. He's uh, just a good person. He's a humble guy. He is a grinder. You know, every time every time I run into him in the facility, he's always on his iPad. And he's uh, he's a different cat, man. He's always checking on us. He's always like, are you okay? Are, are you good? Are, are you, is your body good? Is everything feeling good? And we kept his butt clean this year, man. He had a ton of time back there, and he loved it. You know, he took care of us at Christmas. He took care of us all year long. And, uh you know, the guy's a fiery competitor. I think that gets lost in the wash. And the the biggest compliment I can pay him is that he runs John's system as if John was on the field. 
you know, he is, he's able to put his ego aside and let John speak directly to him. And he runs the offense exactly as John wants it run. And that's the biggest thing, you know, we need some talent out at the receiver position to help him out. We have some pieces in place, um, but I'm excited to see him with a full arsenal of outside threats and, um, you know, get this thing going. You know, we have a fierce run game with Josh Jacobs. We have a massive offensive line. I think the lightest guy on our line is probably Rodney. He's 310, 315, which is big for a center. Um, so it's exciting. You know, D car is awesome, man. I've been pumping him up all year. You know, there's all these rumors out there that this guy's coming, this guy's coming, this guy's coming. And, you know, it's, it's usually just reporters who are bored making stuff up. But it's awesome. I'm excited for the future. I'm excited he's our leader. Uh, I love how he distributes the ball, and um, it's the future's bright. Yeah, you talk about rumors. I just saw yesterday they were rumoring Cam Newton getting traded there or getting picked up by the Raiders. And to me, that doesn't seem like a logical fit with John Gruden and Cam Newton. He's not worked with mobile quarterbacks like that in the past. He's West Coast. Get rid of the ball quick. Derek Carr fits that mold. You're right. Get some receivers out there. You know, you're planning on having the best receiver in the NFL heading into the season, and then you don't have him. Okay, well, it's amazing now that Derek Carr didn't play at a Pro Bowl level or like he put up maybe numbers in the past when you're playing with these young guys. But your offensive line up front is incredible. Talk about those guys up front. What was it like in the meeting room this year, hopping back into an O-line room? Because, honestly, when I think about what I miss about ball – Maybe the first thing is the offensive line room. That's it, man. That's the best room in the whole building. The offensive line is the the glue that keeps the team together. Uh, so starting off at uh, left tackle, we have Colt Miller, a young guy from UCLA. I think he was the 15th overall pick in, uh, two years ago, and he made a jump. He, uh, he had a rough rookie campaign, you know, left tackle coming into the league. He's a little bit leaner, a little bit taller, but he worked his butt off. He put on some weight. He gained some strength. And, man, can that kid play. He's out there on an island. You know, we're more of a mic protection team, so I'm not able to go out and help him as much. We don't really run a lot of jet protection, so I don't have his inside. But that guy, literally, you put him over there and you just forget about him because he's that good. He just – he's so athletic and he, he, he's so good with his hands and he's so good about getting guys on the ground. Uh, in the run game, he's athletic, you know. Um, I'm the thumper over on the left side. I bring the tempo. I bring the juice. I'm dropping people on their head, talking trash. You know, that's that's my role. Um, I bring the energy. I had a very good year in pass protection. I think I only gave up nine pressures, uh, one sack, which definitely wasn't my fault. But <laughs> and then we got Rodney at center. Uh, Rod is a great man, great leader, um, really just a stand up guy. Uh, he probably has the best helmet speed at reaching uh, a shaded nose that I've ever seen. He just he just has a knack for throwing that head and throwing that that knee front side and then just running guys. And uh, it's really fun and special to play against him. He reminds me a lot of you. Plays with a lot of confidence. Super cerebral guy. You never have to question a point. You know, he comes up, he makes the point, he sets the table, and he lets us eat. Uh, over at right guard, got my dog Gabe Jackson. Big old grizzly bear from uh, Mississippi State, and and he's the one guy that you see in the facility every day, and he just brings a smile to your face. You know, he's always, you know, he's got a big family, he's got all girls, and the guy is just amazing. He's, uh, um, it's really awesome to, to work with him every day. And then we got Big Trent Brown out at tackle. The guy is massive. So our offensive line, left tackle, 
goes six seven left tackle. Me six four playing probably about three forty. Rod playing at about three ten three fifteen. Gabe probably plays in the three fifty to three sixty range. And then you have Trent who's six eight three seventy to four hundred. You know you never know with those guys, <laughs> but <laughs> athletic, agile. Uh, we had a bunch of rookie DNs in camp, and like it was just like taking candy from a baby. He would set out there on Mad Max Crosby, and he's so good. He he reminds me of Orlando Pace, where he just floats out there, and he's just patient. And when he shoots his hands, it's over. It, it's over. So uh, he's a, he's a big part in what we do, and a lot of they they took a lot of heat for making him the highest paid offensive lineman and moving him over to the right side, but it, it panned out. Colton Colton uh, Colton came along. Trent's a stud over there, and us in the middle, you know, we're just maulers. That's great info. And, and so for all those listening that haven't spent time in an offensive line room, now at your next football day, Sunday get-together, you can talk, well, the the Raiders are more of a mic protection team. They're more solid on the inside. Their tackles are out on islands, and when you see jet teams out there, they're sliding, they're helping their tackles more, so that's great info. And you also now know more about the Raiders' offensive line, so you can take that info with you. Um, I loved you talking about those guys. That's hilarious when you said 370 to 400, which is funny because, like, people ask me what I weigh right now, and I'll say, you know, I weigh right around 250, and they'll say, well, what do you exactly weigh? I say, I honestly weigh anywhere from 245 to probably 260, depending if I ate bad and drank over the weekend or if I didn't take a dump. I mean, it's amazing how much, like, an offensive lineman, like a big dude, weight can fluctuate. Speaking of weight, you know, you played around 340 this year. But when I tell you this, and we talked about it in the last podcast, Richie's fast, he's athletic. Like, this does not look like a 340 that you see uh, walking around a Walmart. But what's a normal day of eating for you during the season to keep that weight on? Uh, it's, it's, it's challenging because now I'm probably down to 318, 320. I'm at 20% body fat. I feel great, man. I got abs popping out everywhere. I love it. But – uh, you know, I, I just started the process on Monday. I just got back in the gym and it's all about calories. And, you know, in the morning it's six eggs, half an avocado, you know, two cups of fruit, uh, you know, a cup of oatmeal. And, you know, now that I'm getting back into it, my stomach just isn't that big cause it's shrunk over the last six, eight weeks. So I literally just have to eat as fast as I can. I just got to get it in as fast as I can, as much as I can. And, you know, I'm probably, you know, I play around with it some, you know, depending on what I want to do, I'm between 3,600 calories and I could go all the way up to 5,000 calories, just kind of depending on what I want to do. But, you know, at my, at my foundation and at my core, I'm a tremendous athlete and, you know, people see me with the knee braces on and the pads on and I get out there and they're like, oh, this guy's slow. But then you get me on a ladder or you get me in a 40 and it's like, holy moly, like this guy's got wheels. And, uh, you know, I mean, we used to run right. gassers together. <laughs> It's uh, it's great. So yeah, I'm able. I'm able. I'm 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 unique. I'm able to go up to 340 and still move like I'm 315. So one of the Twitter questions before this was, who can eat more between the two of us? And I promise you, when we were down in Miami, definitely you. Yeah, in one sitting, I could definitely out eat you. Now on those Thanksgiving competitions, definitely you you would get me over the long run. But in one sitting, I, I can still get you at this way, which which they couldn't believe. Okay, so you signed you signed a contract extension right around Christmas time, and and I'm honestly thrilled for you, and and tried to Facetime you immediately, and and we ended up texting over it, but I, I was thrilled. So you got this two year extension. What are your on field goals during this 
during this time? Is it to win a Super Bowl, to get to make a playoff run, make a Super Bowl run? Is that your on-field goal? You know, my on-field goal is just to uh, go back and, and outperform last year, uh, get this team into the playoffs, make a deep playoff run, and eventually win a Super Bowl. Um, if it takes two, three, four more seasons, you know, I, I have it in the tank, and I'm willing to lay it on the line. And I really feel we're building something special. We're bringing in a lot of guys that, that are helping. And uh, that's it, man. You know, my main focus is just, just to show up just, just a little bit better than last year and perform a little bit higher and knock that number of pressures, you know, from nine down to eight or seven. You know, that, that that's what keeps I love it, and I love that you're going to be 40-something years old still playing offensive line in this league. It's going to be so awesome. <laughs> I know, right? That's crazy. So um, you've already done the recurring questions because you're a repeat guest. So I got some different questions. And um, so we were just down in Miami together for the Super Bowl. We had a blast down there. It was awesome catching up. We were going to record down there. Then we showed up, and we hadn't seen each other in a year. And we sat there and talked for three hours by the pool and then realized, well, it would be dumb to record a podcast right now because it's going to feel like we're repeating it, and we're going to be really short, so we waited. Uh, but what's we had some incredible meals down there. But you've also done some other traveling as well. And I just saw you had a nice meal last night at Nobu. I saw that on Instagram. What's the best meal you've had this offseason? Oh, man. The best meal I've had this offseason. Um, shoot. I would have to say down in St. Bart's because uh, St. Bart's is just a special place. You know, it's a French island, and it's just so swaggy and so awesome. And the crew of people we had, you know, we ate at places like Le Cheval where you're just – perched on a cliff overlooking the ocean, uh, Nikki beach where you're literally, you know, it's a day club and you know, you're just out there eating and living and the waves, the blue oceans just crashing up underneath that. Uh, so I would say, you know, all the meals in St. Bart's were special, uh, prime One Twelve on Friday night in Miami, uh, with Mr. Davis there, you know, uh, Mr. Davis, uh, our owner sat right behind us and just, just seeing all the guys and catching up and being able to, to spend time with guys like uh, uh, Jamal Adams and, you know, be able to look him in the eye and be like, dude, you're the best safety in the game. I love competing against you. You know, that's, that was so cool to me. So it's been a great six week run. And uh, now it's, it was, it was good because I, I just had such a good run that I was just away from it enough that I was hungry to come back. Definitely. And that's, that's what you should do at the beginning of the off season. When you, the way Richie treats the season, he is so all in the entire season that you have to let loose. You have to travel. You have to eat some bad meals so that you can get locked back in because nobody except for Tom Brady can literally have their entire year structured out like that. So it's awesome you did that. I regret skipping the Prime 112 meal on Friday night, but when you said the reservation was for 10.30, I'm like, 10.30? I'm gonna, we're going to eat till 12.30? <laughs> then what? I'm going to go to bed? I said, no, I'm going to eat before that. Uh, it's, Miami, it's Miami life, I know. bro. That's I know. Miami life. I know it. Um, what's uh, the best golf course you've played? And you don't even necessarily have to say this offseason. What's your favorite course you've played? Ooh, that's a tough one. I would have to say uh, McKenna Private down in Maui. Gabe Eichard was uh, was nice enough to invite me down. And just the, the, the whole course is set up on the side of a volcano. So you're at, you're basically about, I don't know, a thousand feet up on the side of a volcano and everything is just so lush, so green. 
uh, we had about, I don't know, 10 or 12 guys in our group. We didn't see anybody else. And you pull up to the halfway house and they had uh, surfboard tables with trays of beer in the middle. They had a guy cooking up Kobe burgers, King crab legs, you know, you name it. They, they were cooking it up. We sat up there for probably about an hour and a half at the turn. And you're overlooking just lush landscape, you know, a volcano in the back. And then it's just ocean for days and you see the whales and the dolphins out in the ocean. So that was really special. Gay biker. When you listen to this podcast, me and Leslie won in on the next trip out there. Cause that <laughs> sounds uh, absolutely incredible. You mentioned a few people you saw around on Super Bowl weekend. Who was your favorite celebrity that you met uh, down there or who was the biggest or your favorite? Uh, man, that's tough because there's so many people, you know, it was just so good. I was just so grateful to be able to see everybody after the comeback, you know, all the guys in the league, uh, Cam Jordan, Jamal Adams. I saw Mad Max Crosby, our, our, our defensive uh, rookie candidate of the year. Um, seeing you was definitely special. I mean, we, we talked each other's ears off for so long, but I was really just, uh, I was really excited to kind of see all the, the YouTube and Instagram stars that I follow. So I ran into the Nelk boys one night, Steve will do it. Uh, uncle Bradley Martin. Um, I ran into, uh, Kevin Hart, which was, that was probably the most famous guy, That's cool. uh, that I met. Z champagne out of his suite after the Chiefs won because he knew my friend had a big bet on the game, so that was special. Um, but yeah, you know, it's uh, it was great, man. Just great catching up with everybody, and uh, it was fun. Yeah, that was a very fun weekend. What car are you rolling in these days, and what's on deck for the future for you in the in the automobile uh, realm? Oh, you know, I'm a car guy, so. My baby right now, I have a Ferrari GTC for Lusso, and uh, it's a naturally aspirated V12 front mid-engine Ferrari uh, pushing about 680 horsepower. Uh, the thing is just scary fast. You know, we have these big open roads out here in Arizona, so it's fun to rip that thing around. And uh, still got my Raptor, but I'm going to trade the Raptor in on a, a new F250 and, and build that thing out and just keep it simple. Keep it two cars. Am I too cheap because I won't pull the trigger on a Tesla right now? We had this conversation. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You're always like, oh, I don't know, and you're hemming and hawing about it, and I'm just like, just do it. Just do it. And then my response is always, and not that Leslie would ever even be mad if I did it. She'd probably be happy that I treated myself. But I always say it's a lot easier to make those decisions when you're not married and you don't have someone saying, oh, no, don't. Or, you know, when you have someone else to answer to. Uh, but, yes, I'm way too cheap, and I, I, just I love cars. You just too. have to answer to my account. Right. Yeah, you, I know you love cars. Yeah, I just have to answer to my account because she calls me up, and she's like, what? You got a Ferrari? And I'm like, eh, you know, we're good. All right, so final thing I got for you. So some extenuating circumstances came up, and you're going to have to miss the roast. The WGR roast is on February 27th. Oh, but, but honestly – I know you feel bad, but family comes first, and, you know, Steve and Donna have some stuff going on, your mom and stepdad, and, and I respect that. I honestly respect it, and I respect you as a man because you committed, and it would be very easy to say, hey, Mom, I committed to this. Can someone else help you out post-surgery? But but you didn't, and I respect you for that, and that's part of the loyalty, and that's why I love you, and that's why you're one of my best friends because 
you put your loyalty first to family and friends. I'm going to give you a shot right now, and you have about 30 seconds to tee off on me. What was going to be some of your material? Oh, man. You know, Frick, what was that? Oh, uh, first off, I'm, I'm very sorry I can't come. It, it, I ignored my schedule for seven months, and I finally looked at it, and I was just like, oh, my God, I can't do it. But I would probably make fun of, obviously, your curly hair. Duh, that's the first that's thing. That's easy. I'd make fun of your long-winded – I'd make fun of your long-winded stories. Uh, let's see. I, yeah, I would probably just, like, repeat one of your stories, and it'd be like, <laughs> okay, so I drank – I woke up, and I drank four Miller Lights, and I had three glasses of orange juice, and I had two cups of oatmeal, and I'd be <laughs> like, dude, just get to the point. Just get to the point. <laughs> oh, what else? I mean, it's, it's hard to clown on you, man. I have so much respect for you. I love you, brother. I mean – you really just forced me to be a better man. You know, you're, you're, you're one of the very few people where I would come in and every day we would just talk for two seconds. And I'd be like, man, I got to raise my game. You know, I got, I got to do this in family life. I got to do this in business life. I got, I got to do this because, you know, you're just a shining beacon, man. And, you know, you've been tremendous throughout my career. Uh, and I love you, brother. I really do. Likewise, man. And, and, and you say that, I felt the same way, honestly, and, and the way you were preparing and what you were doing off the field. Like, I had never seen someone do that kind of stuff. So that raised my game, and it's not a coincidence that I make my first Pro Bowl when you're there because my game goes to a new level. It also helped that I was playing against the most powerful guard or next to the most powerful guard I ever played against. But um, likewise, it, it you made me better too, and that's that's why we're buddies, and that's what – good relationships are about but you know I, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show I'm very excited for people to hear again how well you did with this year back in football and, and I love how you just continue to flip the narrative on on what this perceived outside reality is of you at times not 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 globally it's not universal but from some people can't wait for them to hear the them talk about it. I, I loved um, your conversation about Derek Carr and, and Gruden and Mayock and all that. It, it, I'm so pumped for your situation with the Raiders and, and how happy you are there, how appreciative you are. Can't wait for Las Vegas and uh, thanks again for coming on. Appreciate it, brother. Anytime. Thank you for listening to What's Next with Eric Wood. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please rate it five stars and subscribe. That goes a long way for us with this podcast. Tune in in a couple weeks for another new episode.